Well, good evening, everyone. Thank God for technology. Even though all of us can't be here live and in person this week, it is so neat that we can still connect uh, over the internet. So welcome everybody that is watching now, and welcome any first-time guests. If this is your first time ever tuning in to, to Life's Journey, we're just so grateful that you're doing so. And I'll tell you what, one thing you can do to help improve your experience as you're watching right now is to log on to ljc.life, ljc.life. And we created that website really just specifically for our worship services. And so what you can do is uh, you can follow along with the message tonight. There's some message notes on there and the scriptures on there. You can follow along there. And then also what you can do is fill out our online connection card. Uh, that, that online connection card really just helps me connect with you. Uh, if, if you like what you hear tonight and you're excited about the gospel and you'd like to know a little bit more about Life Journey Church, well, our connection card is a great place for you to do that. If you fill out that online connection card, all you have to do is put your name and your email address on there, and what I'll do is I'll shoot you a couple of emails over the next couple of weeks uh, just to connect with you, maybe answer any questions that you might have about Life's Journey, and then uh, maybe give you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at what, what God is doing here uh, at LJC. Uh, really, God is doing some incredible things here. He's using this church to really make a gospel impact in the city of Huntsville uh, and in other cities around the globe. And I would just really love to share some of those things with you. And so if you fill out that online connection card, uh, I will shoot you just a couple of emails over the, over the next couple weeks. Uh, the only announcement that we have this evening is that uh, the reason that we're having this online service is that we've had a few members uh, test positive for COVID. And so we just thought it would be wisdom to, to really just make sure that we mitigate the spread and so, uh, you know, we want to we wanna make sure we're always protecting our people. And so, especially with the technology that's available to us now, we can always meet online. And so, at least for this week, we're going to meet online only. Uh, and then, potentially next week, we might also. So, just stay tuned for that. We'll, we'll shoot out a Facebook message and a church-wide email in case we do, do this again. And we might, so just stay tuned for that. Uh, and then lastly, the only thing I want to say before we jump into the sermon this evening is I just want to say thank you to um, all of those who have partnered with Life Journey Church to be faithful givers. So many of you are just so faithful every month, every week, uh, to give your, your money to the spread of the gospel here in Huntsville and the spread of the gospel around the world. And I just want to say thank you so much uh, for that. And so you can still give tonight. Uh, even if you're not here, you can still give at ljc.life by clicking on the giving tab. And again, we're just so thankful and so appreciative for each of our faithful givers here at LJC. I tell you what, let's do. Let's pray first before we jump into the message tonight. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the technology and the ability to be able to still gather as your people under your word and to be shaped by your word and to be changed by it from the inside out. Even though we, we're not meeting personally in person, we can still meet together as a church body. And we're just so grateful for the ability to do that. And we thank you, Father, for that. And we thank you for the, this uh, scripture tonight that is uh, so powerful, so meaningful. And we just pray that, that this scripture would not fall on, on deaf ears, but, but that we would have ears to hear this evening. And we would we would be changed by your words, by your spirit tonight from the inside out. And most of all, Father, we thank you for your son who suffered and bled and died to save us. We are so grateful for Jesus. And we want you to know, Father, that everything 
we do here tonight and everything that we do here at Life Journey, period, is for your son. And we just give him nothing but glory and honor and praise this evening as we examine his words. And Father, it's in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's jump right in. It could easily be said that freedom and love are the two greatest values that humans have. And tonight, we're going to talk about both of them, both freedom and love. Now, in the, in the past few passages, we've heard the Apostle Paul essentially shout from the rooftops about freedom, the freedom that is available to us in Christ Jesus. And tonight, he's going to continue to do that. He's going to continue to talk about freedom. But what he's also going to do is he's going to add in a clarifying element. So Paul is not only concerned with what Christians are freed from, but what we're freed to. What we are freed to. So let's look at it together. We are actually only going to look at one verse tonight. This is Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Galatia. He says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Okay, so in this verse, Paul gives us three things. He gives us a reminder, a warning, and an encouragement. A reminder, a warning, and an encouragement. The first thing he gives us is a reminder. It's important to first note here that though Christ has paid the penalty for our sins, uh, and he has seated us with him in heavenly places, that doesn't mean you and I get to go have sin parties all we want. Uh, Nowhere do you ever see Paul say, well, you know, now that you're saved by grace and now that Christ has set you free, you can go sin all you want. Uh, He never says anything like that. You see, when we abuse our freedom in Christ, we lose our freedom in Christ. By turning freedom into an opportunity to sin, we don't become free, we become less free. We become more enslaved to our own selfish passions and desires. Paul here reminds us that freedom is the foundation for obeying Christ. Freedom is actually the foundation for our obedience. As Christians, Jesus wants us to walk together in his love and serve one another. But that is only possible if we are walking in the freedom he provides. Americans tend to think of freedom primarily in political or economic terms. So the people will say, we live in a free country, or they'll say things like, we are living debt-free. But Christianity has a little bit different spin on the word freedom. So for Christianity, freedom is essentially relational rather than political or economical. It's essentially relational, especially in your relationship with your Creator. Christianity says that you're only free insofar as you're rightly related to God. Otherwise, you're in moral and spiritual bondage no matter your political situation. That means you can live in America and be a slave, or you can live in North Korea and be free. We were called to freedom 
when God called us into relationship with himself through his son, Jesus Christ. When God calls us to himself, he frees us from ourselves. What do I mean? Well, apart from God's powerful and effectual call in our lives, we are enslaved to ourselves. We are enslaved to what the Bible calls the flesh. If you look again at verse 13 with me, Paul says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Okay, so what in the world does the flesh mean? Well, the flesh is the fallen self. It is the self turned in upon itself. And we experience our fallen self every day, every hour. Sometimes it can feel like every single moment. We experience the fallen self in the unruly passions and illicit desires that we find coursing through our veins constantly. Our flesh is deadly. Now, the flesh would not be so lethal if it would just keep to itself, but it can't. It can't. It is forever busy acting out what Paul calls the works of the flesh. These are specific behaviors that run contrary to God's will and destroy human community. The flesh is the sworn enemy of relationship and community. Self-centered passions and desires are what wreak havoc on all of our relationships. No human relationship or human community will flourish without being grounded in freedom. And this brings us to our second point point, a warning. Paul gives us a warning. Uh, And what he's warning us here about is that the flesh that he's talking about will always be with us on this side of heaven. This is implicit in the text, but it is obvious when you think about it. Nowhere does Paul say that this will ever go away. Uh, You will carry this fleshly nature with you for the rest of your life. Before you became a Christian, you were completely given over to the flesh and its desires. But now, through your faith in the gospel, the flesh is no longer in control. You can think of it like this. It's kind of like when the U.S. forces went to the Middle East to fight ISIS. ISIS was on the throne and in control of many territories until we showed up. The U.S. and coalition forces took out most of the main ISIS leaders and regained control of their territories. But that didn't mean that ISIS just went away. No. No, though they had totally lost control, they were no longer on the throne, they continued with sneak attacks and roadside bombs. This is how it is with our flesh. You see, at the cross, Jesus took over the throne of the universe and our hearts. And our flesh was defeated and scattered. But it was not altogether eliminated, though that day is soon coming. Until then, we still will live in sinful, fallen bodies and still inhabit a sinful, fallen world. Though defeated, the flesh will still perform sneak attacks on your mind. The flesh will constantly look for opportunities to strike against us and through us into the lives of others. 
You must know this and be ready for it. This is the warning of Paul. The flesh is utterly ruthless and will seize every opportunity we give it. It is always with us, and the world around us is always encouraging us to let our defenses down. Dr. Todd Wilson gives five examples of how we provide opportunities for the flesh to attack. Todd Wilson gives five examples of how we provide opportunities for the flesh to attack. Number one is when we coddle an unforgiving spirit or harbor a grudge toward another person. Number two, when we fail to overlook minor offenses, when we're easily offended by the smallest things. Three, when we indulge in gossip. Four, when we put a negative spin on the actions of others. And five, when we fail to deal with personal grievances swiftly and directly. These are just five of the ways that the evil one destroys relationships and kills communities. If we could stop doing these things, just imagine how it would radically change the nature of our friendships, our family, our church, and our city. Here's the only problem. We can't. <laughs> we can't. We can't stop doing them. At least not on our own power. Which brings us to point number three, an encouragement. Our modern society has gotten itself in trouble because it sees freedom as an end in and of itself. The goal of modern individuals is to eradicate any and all constraints so that they can be free to do and be whatever they want. This is a big mistake. This is a big mistake. Dr. David Brooks writes this. He says, quote, Freedom is great, but personal, social, and emotional freedom, when it becomes an ultimate end, absolutely sucks. It leads to a random, busy life with no discernible direction, no firm foundation, and in which all that solid melts to air. It turns out that freedom isn't an ocean you want to spend your life in. Freedom is a river you want to get across so you can plant yourself on the other side and fully commit to something, end quote. This is the exact point Paul is making here. We are not free just to be free. We are free to something. Well, free to what? What is that something? Let's look at verse 13 again. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. I suspect that everyone listening tonight realizes that love is not at all easy to come by. Love points not to ourselves, but away from ourselves. And our flesh doesn't like that at all and is constantly warring against it. It is hard to love and it is hard to be loved. So 
I think the key word here in verse 13 is the word humbly. Humbly. Did you notice it? He says, rather serve one another humbly in love. So Paul doesn't tell us just to serve and to love, but to do so in humility. What is Paul trying to get at here? I think this is what he's trying to say. He's at least hinting at it here. That we should be humble in our loving service. Because the only reason we can love one another and our neighbor is because of the humble love of another. 1 John 4.10 says, This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We can only love because He loved us. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, there was no one in the universe or in heaven or on earth or in hell as free as Jesus Christ. No one. And what did he do with his freedom? He traded it in for shackles, for your shackles and for mine. He traded his freedom in for three nails and an old rugged cross. Why? Because he loves you. And he loves me. And he loves our neighbors. And it is only his love that can empower you and me to serve and love others in humility. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, For Christ's love compels us. Don't you love that? Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. And was raised again. You see, we're not just free. We are free to love. We are free to love one another and to love the precious Savior who bled and died and rose again to save us. It might be hard for you to earn the love of others, but you have had the love of Christ since before you were born. Before the universe began, he loved you, and he planned to die for you. 
for your sins in your place. You see, not only are we to imitate the example of Christ, we are also to live with one another in light of the sacrifice of Christ. We treat one another with respect and grace because we have been treated that way by Jesus, though we did not deserve respect and grace. That is exactly what we got from our Jesus. The loving freedom Jesus provides is a river, an endless river we bathe ourselves in so that we can get to the other side. What is the other side? A life serving and loving one another in Jesus' name. Yes, in the flesh, Christians have selfishness and pride coursing through our veins. I know I do. But in the Spirit, we have the waterfall of the unconditional love of Christ washing over us every minute of every day. Think about it. If I am saved by sheer grace and perfect love. I am then for the first time free. I'm free to love my neighbor for my neighbor's sake. Nothing is about me anymore. I have no need to work to earn heaven and no need to work to avoid hell. If Christ has already done the work for me and seated me, in heavenly places with him. If that's true, then I no longer have any need to be consumed with myself. I can, for the first time, be free to meet the needs of others. I am free to live in the light and the love that the Father has given me in Jesus. Love that looks away from self and toward Christ and the world he died for. As the hymn writer so eloquently said, As you loved me, I will love another. Lord, you gave yourself for me. Now I sacrifice my comfort for another's need. With joy today, I will love another, living out my gratitude, freely sharing, gladly giving, Lord, as unto you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the incredible, extravagant love and grace and mercy you have given us through him. And so we pray that you would also give us your spirit so that we might be able to respond to this extravagant grace we've been given with extravagant grace for each other and for our neighbors. And Father, forgive us. Forgive us of our selfishness and our, our, our desire to be consumed with ourselves. We repent of that, Father, but we ask you 
to replace that spirit of selfishness with your Holy Spirit so that he might bring us back always and always and always to the cross, to the foot of the cross so that we might, we might bask in the river of love that we have from our Savior and so that we might respond in love to each other and to our neighbors. What a Savior. What a Savior you have given us, Father. We only pray that we can respond to His extravagant grace in the way that you want us to. And we know we cannot do that on our own strength. There's no way. But we can do it through your Spirit who brings us back to the love of Jesus shown to us in his blood. Father, what a Savior and what a Spirit you have given us and what a joy it is to honor you and your Son and your Spirit in all things. What a joy. What a pleasure. And Father, it's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen.